to every generation. The broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, open to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations in the Old Testament, chapter 3, right between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And we're going to start there, but we're going to jump around in various scriptures this morning. As you're turning there, as a matter of introduction to our message today, most of you know that uh, when it comes to our physical health, uh, most doctors will advise you to get an annual exam, right? They recommend that as sort of an essential part of a healthy physical condition. Uh, most doctors would say it's one of the best ways to identify and treat issues before they get worse. And depending on your family history or your risk factors, your age, your lifestyle, or a lot of different things, a doctor might order various blood tests and other screenings to make sure that those numbers fall into the, uh, into the healthy range uh, when you get the results back. If something's out of whack, right, the doctor will prescribe medications or recommend some lifestyle changes that will help improve, hopefully, improve your overall physical health. And some of us are pretty diligent about going for our annual physical, while others might put it off with uh, using the old adage, if I ignore it, it'll go away type of philosophy. I won't tell you which one I am. Uh, But I did have my annual physical exam just last week, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, the doctor checked all the normal vital signs and everything else, gave me a full physical exam, and and then ordered some blood work. And I got to say that the physical went pretty well, um, although when the results from the blood work came back, there were a few things that that needed to need to be addressed, which I will, I guess, when I see her next, she'll tell me what she wants to do about those things. I'm, I'm more the one where I say, well... Uh, doc, it's not that bad. I can just give me three months. Uh, you know, I'll watch my diet. I'll get more exercise. The numbers will come into into line, and uh, usually she'll go along with that. But we'll see about this time. But just as we need to get our regular physical exams, right? They help us uh, identify those issues and and um, and just uh, figure out where to go next to make sure that our physical health is in good shape. The scriptures tell us many times we need to do the same thing regarding our spiritual health. We need to identify, right, those spiritual issues that we might have in our lives before they get worse. And we can't use the, if I ignore it, it'll go away type philosophy because it usually doesn't go away. If we ignore those things, they'll get worse. And we'll find ourselves further and further from God instead of closer to God. Uh, for today's teaching, and this is, um, this is a recycled message from about eight years ago, but I updated it for today, and I really feel like the Lord was telling me we need to go over this again. So some of you may recognize 
the fact that I used um, a common physical test as an illustration to uh, determine our spiritual health. And that is the APGAR test. Now, I know we have a couple of nurses in here. Um, you're in the, in the NICU, right? Deli- labor and delivery. So we, I know we have at least one, one nurse who knows what the APGAR test is. The APGAR test is the first test given to newborns. It occurs in the delivery room right after birth. Usually, I think it's one minute after birth, and then again at five minutes after birth. And then if there's an issue, they do it again maybe at ten minutes after birth. Birth. And this test was designed or developed by an anesthesiologist named Virginia Apgar. And this was back in 1952. And many of you might have heard it referred to with the acronym, uh, which stands for A, appearance, P, pulse, G, grimace, A, activity, and R, for respiration. And so those five factors are used for the newborn to determine the baby's condition and health. And they're given a a score from zero being the lowest to two being the the best uh, score. Appearance stands, uh, they look at the baby and they see what the outward appearance is, the skin coloration, and they score it based on that. The pulse or the heart rate, they want to make sure that it's beating at the right number of beats. Grimace response, they also call reflex irritability, and we'll get into that as we talk about the spiritual side of this test. The activity or the muscle tone is the baby moving around. Uh, respiration is that breathing rate and effort that the, that the newborn puts forth um, as they're first coming out. So if we're to now ma- take this test and now make a spiritual application to our lives, what do we need to do? Well, we need to, we need to examine ourselves, right? So the Bible tells us in Lamentations 3, verse 40, it says, Let us search out and examine our ways. And turn back to the Lord. Now, in the context of that verse, it's, in, it's interesting. I think it's important for us just to see what Jeremiah, who was probably the author of Lamentations, was talking about. So this is set in the time just following the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and when the, the Jewish people were exiled out of their land. Lamentations was this written expression of kind of the heart, heartbreak and heartache and despair that the prophet Jeremiah saw when this took place in history. And remember, the ministry of Jeremiah was not an easy ministry. It was a difficult ministry and sometimes even a discouraging one. You know, he preached repentance. He preached warnings on the people for 40 years and Many uh, did not heed these callings of repentance from their sin. Matter of fact, really, there's no indication that anyone during that period of time when Jeremiah was was doing his ministry really um, took heed to these warnings. So the book of Lamentations, as the title kind of tells us, is Jeremiah's reflection on the tragedy that his countrymen experienced at that time. 
Now, we can probably make an application to today in our culture. And, you know, we pray for, for our country. We pray for our, our world that, um, that it would start to turn back to God, as, as the prophet says in that, in that verse. And we look at our culture, and we probably sometimes might lament at what's going on in the world and wonder why people are turning away from God instead of turning to God. You remember Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet, right? Because he, he saw this decline in society, and he mourned over it. He mourned over it. But he also was faithful, faithful to preach God's warnings to the people. As believers, we're not really, I don't really see evidence in the scriptures for us to be called to change the culture. You know, there are some that feel like they need to change the culture. I believe we're called to be salt and light, Jesus says, within the culture. That's a little different. That's affecting the lives of individuals on a one-on-one, maybe in a small group setting or when we're together with our family or our coworkers, you know, just to be able to be that, that salt and light and to show people what it means to have a true relationship with God. But the only way that we can be effective in reaching people for the Lord, right, is to make sure that individually, personally, we are spiritually healthy, right? Or else what good will we be? to a lost world. So based on these five factors that are given to the newborn, the APGAR test, based on these five things, we're going to look at five ways to examine ourselves in order to determine our spiritual health. So the first aspect of this spiritual self-exam is A, A for appearance. Right? Also known as skin coloration. So the parts of this test check the newborn's skin color. You know, uh, pink is good. Uh, if the body is pink but the hands and feet are not pink or bluish, there might be an issue. And, of course, if the baby's skin color is pale or blue all over, then there's an emergency that needs to be taken care of. In the newborn, this is, is the outward experience, uh, experience or our appearance, the outward appearance. But for us today in the spiritual self-exam, this is not our outward appearance. This is our inward disposition. This is our character. This is if we're truly walking with the Lord, then our inner attitudes and motives will reflect that closeness with God. Matthew 23 are the, are the woes to the spiritual leaders that Jesus proclaims. And in verse 27, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. When Jesus proclaimed the series of woes to the religious leaders, he told them that they looked clean on the outside. Their outward appearance seemed good, but they were really unclean in their heart. This is for us like putting on an act, right? Being, being He called them hypocrites. Do we put on an act for others? Do we outwardly appear godly or holy when inside our hearts are full, are full of sinful thoughts. 
And as we examine our ways, we need to remember especially one thing, and that is that God doesn't look at the outside. He sees the heart, right? Now, we can sometimes fool other people, but we will never be able to fool God. Matthew 6, 1 and 2, Jesus goes on in in this Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So this challenge that Jesus makes to the religious leaders in the day, and they were most, most of them, I would say, were probably hypocritical religious leaders. It's the same for his followers today. Careful not to just honor the Lord with our lips or to do outward things to make it look like we're holy or righteous when inwardly we're, we're really not. And if we're doing those things with the wrong motives, to be seen by others or to be you know, given some type of accolades by man, then our motives aren't right. See, we need to clean up the inside of our spiritual houses, dealing with those sinful attitudes and misguided mo- motives. But if a person is walking with the Lord, they'll reflect that spiritual health that will produce spiritual fruit. And that's what we need to do. We need to sometimes just examine ourselves in those things. So the next part of this spiritual self-exam is the P for pulse. And that's, that's what measures the heart rate. This part of the test checks to see if a newborn's heartbeat is, uh, is on par with what it should be. You know, if, obviously, if there's no heartbeat, then there's a, there's a problem. Something needs to take place there. If it's less than 100 beats per minute, which is what the average is for, for a baby, then they might have to uh, introduce some treatments or uh, some other things that need to take place. If it's 100 beats or more, then that's good usually. So they look for these things. An adult normal heartbeat is about 72 beats per minute. And less than 60, there's, there's a, an issue, or more than 100, it's not normal either. So even in an adult, we are, you know, our doctors, when we go for our physical exam, check those things, make sure that those things are on par with what they should be. But in our spiritual application today, we might ask ourselves, are our passions and desires for the things of God? Are we, is, there, is our heart rate up where it should be for the things of God? Or are we more passionate about the things of the world? Jesus told us that we would be blessed if we crave godly things, righteousness, and pleasing him. In Matthew 5, 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What do we hunger after? What do we crave for spiritually or to fulfill us? Our heart should beat for the things of God. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Are you feeling dissatisfied, maybe, unfulfilled with the things of the world, and wonder why? Well, maybe because your heart's desires are more inclined towards self-pleasure and self-delight and worldly things than delighting ourselves in the things of God. When our heart is aligned and we're kind of beating along with God's heart, then our desire will be for the things that he desires for us. When we delight ourselves in the things of the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Now, he won't give us the desires of our heart if we're delighting in the things of the world. You know, so asking for something worldly from God without having a desire to know him and to grow in your relationship with him is not aligning ourselves with God's heart. Psalm 84, 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. What does that mean? Pilgrimage is being on that righteous highway. The Hebrew word for pilgrimage means highway or public road. It literally means that we're on the right path. So when our heart is set on the right path with God, then we're blessed, the Bible says. And remember, these are not physical things that we're looking at as we self do our self-examination, unlike those that Apgar test for the newborn. Remember when the prophet Samuel was charged with choosing the next king of Israel, right? He was taken before uh, Jesse's sons, eight sons, well, seven of them passed before Samuel, right? And they all kind of, you know, did their uh, interview, so to speak, to see who would the next king be. And outwardly, they all qualified, right? They were big and strong. They were tall and handsome. And, and they, they, were, they were powerful. And they, and they probably were able to negotiate well. And they could... Um, could be in charge of an army and all of those things that outwardly they would look for in a king. But each time they passed before Samuel, the Lord told Samuel, I have not chosen this one. I have not chosen this one. Until Samuel asks if there were any other sons of Jesse. And so they called David out from the fields in from where he was the shepherd. And remember in that day, the shepherd was kind of the lowly position. It was really the position of a servant. But um, David was out in the fields tending the flock. And he wasn't even probably held in very high regard amongst his family because they, he wasn't even part of that first group. Interesting. He wasn't even considered for that position of king. Yet, what happened? He was the one that the Lord chose. See, because it isn't about the outward. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. That's interesting. The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Boy, if we just began to look at people, see people more for the inside, right, than the outward appearance, what a different world this would be, amen? We wouldn't be struggling with all of the division 
that we have in this world. So we look at the heart like God does. That's what he desires for us. Remember, when God described what made David special, it wasn't about his outward appearance. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, he said, The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. A man after God's own heart. The inward character of our heart is so much more important than our outward appearance. Our heart needs to be beating for the things of God. So now we move on to this next aspect of our spiritual self-exam. And that's the G for grimace, grimace response. Also known as reflex irritability. And this tests a newborn's reaction to pain. You know, just a little bit of rubbing the bottom of his feet or something like that. And does the newborn react well to that? You know, a a zero score means the newborn doesn't react at all to it. A one might mean that the newborn would frown or move his hand or foot away, but but not very strongly. Where, Where two would be that that newborn might even cry out and pull his hand away or his foot away from the pain. So in the physical test, to grimace or to pull away from stimulation or pain indicates a healthy baby. But in the spiritual sense, it's a little different. As opposed to giving a high score if, um, if we pull away, we get a high score if we accept our trials with grace, don't we? If we don't become irritable under too much pressure. If we don't grumble and complain to God about our circumstances. And don't grumble and complain to, to other people about our circumstances. Now, that's not to say that if we're not going through something, that we can't share that with someone else close to us. And we're supposed to, the Bible says, bear one another's burden, right? So we do that because as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to support one another when we're going through difficult times. But do we grumble and complain about what we're going through? Or do we pray? And seek godly counsel. And seek the Lord's purpose in those trials. Sometimes we kind of forget about the fact that God has a purpose. Even in the trial that we might be going through. Psalm 95 verses 7 and 8 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion. Do not grimace or pull away. Do not be irritable or grumble and complain. As in the day of trial in the wilderness. So this brings us back to that time when, when Israel was going through the 40 years journey. Through the wilderness. But instead of seeking the Lord to find a purpose in their trials... They grumbled and complained. They complained to Moses. They complained to God. They complained to one another. They, their response was not to trust God even in the midst of their trials, but it was to disbelieve God. Disbelieve that he even had their best interest at heart. Their hearts became evil in their response to the trial. And it's always about our response, right? Right? 
to the trial that reveals our real relationship with the Lord. Others will know whether we trust God by how we respond to those things. And we will know whether we're in the right place with the Lord by how we respond to trials in our life. Now, James tells us in this very familiar verse, a couple of verses here, my brethren, in verses uh, 2 to 4 of chapter 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So James here tells us the proper response to trials. First, count it all joy. Now, that's a high bar to attain. Count it all joy. I think that's the most difficult part, don't you? How can we be joyful when we're going through a, a trial in our lives? How can we be joyful right at the beginning, not knowing maybe what God's purpose is? But yet he says, count it all joy. Well, we can count it all joy if we trust that the Lord, who has allowed these things in our lives, has a plan and a purpose through it. See, that always has to be in the forefront of our, of our thinking as we go through trials. Then James tells us the reason for trials. That is pr- to produce something in us. Produce something greater in us. The trial can actually do two things in that. It produces patience, right? Which a lot of times we lack patience, just patience for anything in this world. We tend to be very impatient people because the world is such a fast-paced thing. You know, if it takes 30 seconds to load something onto my computer, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) So we're impatient. But trials produce patience. And it also reveals our faith in Jesus. The very trial that you may find yourself in now is actually already producing patience in you as you go through it. As your response is that you trust God through the trial. And the outcome of the trial many times is dependent on how you respond to it. If we grumble and complain and are disobedient and, and, and don't believe God like the children of Israel, then it might produce bitterness instead of patience. It might produce discouragement, right, instead of revealing our faith. But if we respond with trust and faith, it'll produce that lasting endurance that'll help you go through the trial and guess what? Help you with the next trial because, I hate to say it, there will be another trial down the road somewhere. It's just inevitable in this fallen world in which we live, right? We all know that. So James tells us, lastly, that the purpose of a trial is to make us complete. To make us complete. We lack something. We lack something. If we've either never been tested. Now, I got to say, when I first got saved, I didn't know what this meant to be tried and tested. Because I felt in my life I had not really been tested. And I heard testimonies of people who had been through terrible things, 
circumstances and situations and, and, and trials and, and difficulties. And I said, well, boy, I'm just, I must be super blessed because I just don't feel like I've been through that stuff. And many of you might, might say that too. That, you know, you feel like you've been, you've just been able to avoid those things for a good part of your life. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) I've been saved for over 20 years now, and I've experienced trials. Now I know. Now I know that those things, we, our response to those things can either take us one way or the other. So we don't pray for trials, necessarily, because that would be kind of weird. We don't pray for trials. But we pray through the trial, right? And we know that there's something greater that it can produce in us. So we're okay with that, hopefully. Hopefully that grimace response, as the uh, APGAR test tells us, uh, we'll be able to just bear through it okay. And we won't be grumbling and complaining through it. So the next aspect here of our spiritual self-exam is A for activity. And this represents the muscle tone of the newborn, right? If the newborn is limp or weak and the muscle tone isn't there, uh, then there's a problem. If there's some movement in the arms and legs, that's better. But if there's a lot of movement, you know, many of you have seen newborns just come out and flailing and and, uh, their arms and legs going about and crying, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. They're moving. There's good up muscle tone. There's good activity there. James 1.22 tells us to be doers of the word. That means activity. Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, we can deceive ourselves. That's why these self-exams are so important. So we don't deceive ourselves. Are we content to be hearers only of the word? Are we content to come on a Sunday or a Wednesday or to listen to messages during the week and then not do anything for the kingdom? Not dedicate our life to some activity within the kingdom. Now remember, this is not to save us, but it is evidence of our relationship with the Lord. Are we exercising, so to speak, our spiritual gifts by serving others? Or are we on the sidelines while putting all of our efforts into worldly things, worldly pleasures. You know, we, we use our efforts for something. And we always have a choice of what we're going to put our effort into. What are, what are we going to be active with in this world? Right? That's a choice for us. We're supposed to be producing fruits of righteousness, the Bible says. As we kind of work out our spiritual muscles, exercise, being active in the things of God. Galatians 5.22 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The world should see us as followers of Jesus spreading love, joy, and peace. Exercising long-suffering. That's, that's patience. Long-suffering is just another word for, for patience. Are we patient with people? Do we have godly endurance to get through things? We should be kind and good to others. We should show faithfulness to God and faithfulness to others. As we stand firm in our word, 
Right? People should need to know that you're faithful in things. Are we gentle? Do we have a gentle spirit? Are we, uh, are, is that evident in our lives? Is it part of our character to be a gentle person? As well as self-control. And self-control is, 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 a, is a spirit thing. Especially in difficult circumstances or while on driving on the turnpike. Self-control. Only you know that. That's something that you need to examine of yourself. Do you exhibit that? Is that something that you're, is evident in your life, in your characteristics? But our works are not for our own benefit. Remember, being active for the things of God is not for our own benefit, but for, to glorify God, right? And to do that work for the kingdom. Jesus says, uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13, for, if, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. There's a test that takes place. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed or tested by fire. And fire will test each one's work what sort it is. So we're called, right, to build our lives upon the foundation that Jesus Christ laid at at the finished work on the cross and when he resurrected from the dead three days later. Once we realize or recognize or or really make that uh, important aspect of who we are, what he has done for us, our work then becomes motivated not by our own selfish motives, but by gratitude to him for what he's done. That's why we do these things. That's why we build upon that foundation that Jesus laid, his finished work on the cross. Remember, fire destroys, but it also tests. When, when gold, silver, precious stones are put through the fire, it's, they're tested to see if they're real and the junk, is, junk comes to the top, the dross, and it's taken away. And what's left is that pure, precious stone. But what happens if wood, hay, and straw is sent through the fire? There's nothing left. Well, that's how our works will be tested. Not by what they are. You may be side by side with someone who's doing the same work as you are for the kingdom, but their motivation is for their own benefit and not for the benefit of God's kingdom. So it not only tests the works, but it really tests the motives behind those works. If they're pure, it'll glorify God. And that's what we desire. So we'll move on now to the last aspect of our spiritual self-exam, and that is the R for respiration. And that represents the baby's breathing rate and effort. This part of the test checks how fast, how deep, and how strong a newborn is breathing. Of course, if the newborn isn't breathing, there's a problem. They've got to take care of it. If it has a slow or weak breath, uh, if there's slower or weak breaths, then something needs to be done about that. 
But if they're strong, full breaths, then you know you have a healthy baby. It's called breathing rate and effort. How much effort do we put into our relationship with God? That's a good question to to ask ourselves. How much effort are we putting into it? Do you find it too much trouble to put the Lord in first place in your life? Do you give effort to that? Are you putting so much effort into the th- to other things like our jobs or our families or extracurricular activities that you have no more strength for God or what he desires for your life? That's a, that's a spiritual test that we need to be asking ourselves. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will reap, of the flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We can sow to the flesh, we can sow to the Spirit. We can put our efforts into worldly things, or we can put our efforts into godly things. The results of asking these questions is to reveal what we put our efforts into. If we put our time into worldly activities, we'll reap worldly fruit. If we put our efforts into godly activities, God will take those things and multiply them for his glory. Amen. Remember the little boy who brought the fish and the loaves, who had the fish and the loaves to the gathering of 5,000? He brought his meager offering, and God, what, multiplied it to feed many. That's what he desires for us, too. What are you putting your efforts into? 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 says, But for also for this very reason, giving all diligence, diligence, that's the same word as effort, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The NIV says, for this very reason, make every effort, every effort. Are we putting our effort into the things of God? The Bible tells us that we put our effort into godly pursuits. We build upon that thing, which is the faith in Jesus, will will be productive and will be profitable for the kingdom. Of God. So those are the five aspects of our spiritual self exam, right? And as we wrap up, we, we have to recognize the fact that the Bible exhorts us many times in the scriptures to take sort of a, a inventory, so to speak, a self exam of where we are spiritually. We had our verse today in Lamentations. Haggai tells us to consider our ways, it says. The New Testament in 1 Corinthians, we're told by the Apostle Paul to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper together. And at the beginning of the message today, I mentioned how a doctor will examine us, right, and perform certain tests and then measure those tests against the standard. When you get your blood 
work back. There's a, there's a standard or a, a, a normal range. And if you're, in, you're outside the normal range, everything's in red, <laughs> which stands out. And if you're inside that normal range, it's usually in green. So it shows that you're in a good place, right? But there's a standard that has to be measured against. What's the standard for us spiritually? There has to be something we measure, right? These different aspects of our life against. Now, of course, the standard is the word of God. It has to be. Because Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God will do that in us. The spiritual self-exam is tested against the standard of the word of God. But sometimes it can be painful. It's a sharp sword. It cuts both ways. Sometimes God tests us to see if we're being faithful. Sometimes we're even tested by Satan to see if we'll succumb to his schemes. But we're also supposed to test ourselves. We're also supposed to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, to see if Jesus is truly the Lord of our lives. And God's word will always reveal our true character. Lack of self examination can lead to self-deception. And we don't, we don't want to be deceives, deceived. The Bible tells us that for in Christ, Jesus will complete the work that he begins in us. That's great. That's awesome. We know that we're a work in progress. We know that there are maybe some of these things or all of these things in our lives that need attention, that might need... Uh, a prescription, so to speak. You know, the doctor will prescribe maybe medications or tell you to get more exercise or something so the, the numbers are more in line with what they need to be. In the spiritual sense, if there's anything that comes back kind of out of whack, we need to address it. We need to... The medication, I think, in this case, is the Bible, right? That's the, that's the thing that we're, if we take a regular dose of... of daily in the word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit, he'll transform us into the people that God wants us to be. And that's what we should do as Christians. From time to time or even daily, do that self-exam. Are we doing well in all of those different aspects of our relationship with God? Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, 
please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless. Let it be.